Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast and our preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix. I'm Jesse Billington and joining me to set our sights on Sakir, I have my ever-able co-hosts Ellie Mae Taylor and Timo Albus-Daly. How are you both? I'm pretty darn good, thank you very much. Jesse, how about yourself? I'm not doing too bad, a little bit tired, had a busy weekend down in London, well I was up at um, Coventry doing race uh, retro and then down in London doing the London Classic Car Show and including making some live appearances on stage in London, although not the West End, nobody asked me to do Hairspray yet. Anyway, how about you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Uh, I did join Jesse at the London Classic Car Show as well, so I'm a bit tired from that as well, but other than that, good, thank you. Excellent. So we know we're well, but um, we'll get down to hard tax. There's been a busy news cycle and there's a few bits I want to touch on, including someone who is not well at the moment in our news section that we handily call What the Hell Has Happened. We're going to be looking at an Aston Martin driver, Lance Stroll, who's been knocked off his bicycle and won't be competing in Bahrain. Timo, I appreciate that on your current lawsuit, you're not allowed to talk about this, but Ellie May, thoughts? First of all, I hope that he gets you know better soon. I don't wish ill health on anyone uh but i do think it will be incredibly exciting that we get to see felipe dragovic drive an aston martin i think he was slightly robbed at the fact that he hasn't got a seat this year so it will be good to see what he can do it looked very promising in testing so i'm quite excited really Mm, he's dragovic has settled into the car very quickly and is looking pretty adept behind the wheel i wouldn't say he's matching Alonso's pace but he's it's not taking him a long time to get up there um, although saying that I'm just flicking through Instagram at the moment there's been an update from on Lance Stroll and he appears to be okay-ish he's not got like casts or braces on his hands but again if they've been recently broken or strained it's going to take a long time before you get up to being able to put that force of an F1 car through your hands Timo how long do you think it'll be before uh, Lance is back in the car I think he shouldn't come back until Baku simply for the reason of let's give Felipe Drogovic three races as he's had testing, he's had simulated time, and we can capitalize on that. And then Stroll has lots of time to recover, use the simulator, yada, yada, yada. And Baku is somewhere where if it is chaotic as it normally is, you can get a lot of points just by surviving. Alternatively, if we did see him back for Saudi Arabia, that is also a race where as long as you survive it, you could find yourself further up the pecking order than you might normally be. And that will help him get some more confidence in the car, which he may not have got in practice and qualifying as that would be his first Grand Prix. You're also saying that Stroll should come back at Baku when he's retired the past two years there? I didn't say he would survive. I just wanted to give Drogovic three races. Yeah, a race of attrition is certainly what Baku and Saudi Arabia appear to be when they sort of crop up on the calendar, especially if you're a Pirelli tyre or a Ferrari engine. They seem to be quite hard on you there, both races. But yeah, that's the Lance Stroll story. We'll move on to, as we've already mentioned, testing. It's been sort of the, the most recent f one thing to have happened. Um, did anyone get to watch any of testing? Yes. Thoughts? Although if, if, if your work, no. Yeah, if, if you're Ellie May's employers, no, she didn't spend Thursday and Friday actually watching testing. Right. Neither did I, for that matter. 
I caught up on the highlights because after last year, even though we didn't really have a choice in the fact that we couldn't watch them, the YouTube highlights from F1 afterwards were plenty, plus a little bit of analysis from anyone over on F1 TV who does a very excellent job over there. So that was plenty for me to to get a grip on everything that's going on because I will keep going and just say my thoughts and test a hole here briefly because it's very short and let you two go on about it but it's interesting but none of it really matters because it's only testing so i'll have more opinions on the pecking order after the Bahrain grand prix oh i appreciate that it is testing and the teams uh, what they're doing is constantly never truly representative of what their cars can do because they're all running different fuel loads different tire setups different wing setups i know alpine ran at least two different wings across the weekend so their times are going to be vastly different but you also get these interesting interviews with drivers, with team principals, interviews amongst the paddock. You get to see a real sort of sense of where teams and drivers are at coming into this as well. There was the interesting story from Will Buxton that he spotted Lance, um, no, Lando Norris getting out of the car, walking back. If to it was Lance Stroll punching his hand against a wall, no wonder he's no screwed. Yeah. <laughs> no, Lando punching a wall because... The McLaren does not look like a healthy car to be trying to drive at the moment. They were speed taping that thing together on Thursday because it had started shaking apart one of its wheel brows. It you can start add on to, to get that a as sense. well. It wasn't just that that was the the bad thing there. I mean, again, I know that the car is obviously not where they want it to be, but you are getting paid a lot of money as a driver to do things such as media duties. And as part of Ted's notebook on, I think, the final day of testing, he was trying to have a little bit of banter with Lando, and Lando just looked like you'd kicked his dog or something and just was not in the mood for it whatsoever. And I get that it's frustrating time, but it doesn't come across brilliantly when you're you're not... Uh, you know, you know, some drivers can get away with it. Your Kimmies, your your Fernandos, and these things. Your Bottas, maybe even with something. But other drivers, it doesn't come across great as part of person. It just comes across as okay, fine, leave that in the garage. But it doesn't. It seems to really eat away. Yeah, you're there. not that guy. It's it seems to have really dented Norris, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for him as the season progresses. But yeah, it's an interesting time watching testing but it, this thing is never truly representative you can't take everything you sort of see in it for a hundred percent gospel so it means that i am gonna sound like a broken record because i've been banging on about it since i think spa last year but aston martin are turning a lot of heads they looked very good i mean they they have now got fernando alonso and he can make any car really look he can get the best out of most most cars but it's it has turned a lot of heads even adrian newey is sort of looking at that aston martin thinking oh they might be onto something here especially as the aerodynamicist is or what was adrian newey's prodigy at red bull so i think it's Aston Martin have taken a lot of personnel from Red Bull and Mercedes and they're starting to make it work. And I think it will be very interesting to see what they can do over this season. Drive to Survive Season 5. It's out. Uh, have you all watched it and what are your thoughts if you have? I have binged I... all of it and I did that on Friday because I didn't... So I had the time. I had the time. And in a nutshell, I thought it was better than the last two seasons in terms of there was slightly less bullshit. Uh, but also, to be perfectly honest, I did binge watch all of it in one go, so that may have some impact on the overall thoughts as it was a bit of a blur. It still ignores a lot of stuff. 
Vettel was practically an order side from him retiring. Latifi, non-existent, poor sod. Red Bull drama from Brazil was interestingly left out, which is curious considering Netflix loving drama and making a lot out of stuff. Um, and it is the worst season yet in terms of female representation because you had under 2% of screen time for, for women there, which Jenny Gale in particular, she had a couple of lines and you know damn well she probably talked to them for at least an hour in total. Um, so that was a bit poor, because especially when there were lots of people around. Caitlin Jenner, though, did steal the show for me at the Miami Grand Prix, which if you've not seen it yet, I won't spoil it. But that was a particularly funny moment with Christian Horner where he did look like you'd kicked one of his dogs because that, and that was quite a priceless moment. I don't recall what she said. It was probably because I was quite tired when I watched that episode, but I do recall Caitlin Jenner being in it for like barely a frame or two and chatting away. Um, but yeah, I'll side with you on... I'm working my way through it. I haven't quite finished it yet. Um, it's more of the same. There's some interesting drama in it that seems to be relatively accurate to things that have happened. Uh, but there's also a lot of rehashed elements. The audio editing still infuriates me with some mismatched engines. Some of those car sounds aren't even from Formula One cars. They were recorded by Netflix audio engineers when it was the Porsche Super Cup support races. They're not F1 cars you're hearing at certain points in time. And it doesn't match up to what the car's actively doing on track. And like you have, there's a shot of someone, I think it's one of the Alpines overtaking Daniel Ricciardo at France. And they play in the sound of a car going past at idle when clearly you're going down the back straight at France where you're wide open throttle in seventh. What are you doing? Um, so yeah, that really winds me up. And there's some splicing together of clips at different weekends. In that same episode, we see Danny and Lando running through a car park to get up to the sort of pit area. And they're wearing rain jackets. And you're going, well, hang on. If you're as like deprived of any social life as I am, you'll know that the car park that they're in is the one at Spa. And obviously the jackets correlate with the fact that it was a bit damp and wet. And then all of a sudden they appear in France where it was 32 degrees and sunny and the car park is miles away and badly located. You do so, need a social life. I do. But the fact of the matter is that it's more of the same, but it's not as bad as it was. Uh, am I enjoying it? Yes. Could it be better by a big margin? It's not worse than season four. But yeah, you're pointing out the lack of female representation in screen time, especially in the fact that there's been such a huge leap forward in the amount of women working in Formula One. Crucially, this isn't a case of, oh, well, they're not there, so we can't give them representation. No, we know they're there now and they're not getting representation. I appreciate not all of them will want to talk to Netflix, but you've got Jenny Galder, a fantastic F1 motorsports journalist. A, a journalist at the pinnacle of that job and you're giving her a few lines over a few episodes it's plus you've got laura okay. winter there who's on f1 tv a lot now and she was in a couple of shots i think yeah you see her in the back of, of shots but again nowhere yeah. near as much as she should have been considering her prominence in f1 tv especially last year yeah she's not prominent figure in it she's not a talking head in the same way that will buxton and laura and um jenny gawa and i think again they have missed a big trick there Elima, you haven't watched it yet i haven't watched a single episode yet it's on the to-do list uh i'll get it done once i've got all the graphics for the podcast done the tiktok's done uh i've also got to watch uh formula e Ooh, do to that. be fair, for As Formula well. E, you can skip the first two thirds. It's the last third that everyone's going crazy about, just so you're saved on a bit of time there. Yeah, watch uh, qualifying. Qualifying was decent. 
I really like the Formula E qualifying at the moment. It seems to make sense, weirdly. Um, and then, yeah, then watch the final third of the Grand Prix because it is fantastic. Maybe I'll edit a graphic whilst watching some of the Formula E racing. And then when it gets good, I'll be like, ooh. Yeah, then pay attention to the Formula E. I'll, I'll, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah. So there we are. There's our there's our thoughts on the three main things that have been. Uh, if you ask the question, what the hell has happened recently? There's your answer. Um, but more importantly, we need to look ahead to the Bahrain Grand Prix, and we'll open up with a question of what weather can we expect? And unsurprisingly, it's dry. It's going to be dry. It's set to be warmer than is average. Is it going to be hot? It is. It's it's going to be warmer than average. Twenty eight degrees Celsius through the day there on the Sunday, which will likely carry into the evening. How this is going to impact track temperatures, the surface temperature. Um, it'll go down slightly, I reckon. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, but whether that will have an impact on tyre deg and uh, how fast tire, the track surface cools down will be important. And I've carried over this question from what I used to ask last season is which on-track battles should we look out for? And it's tricky to call with no form apart from testing to go by. So Ferrari and Red Bull are likely going to be going toe-to-toe. Aston Martin could be ones to look out for, um, even Drugovic. And if McLaren look to be struggling, it could set the time for their season to come. But at the moment, this is our first chance to nail down some front runners and suss out the midfield. Regardless, though, we're going to make some predictions. Um, So as always, we love making our little predictions on this podcast. So pole position. Max Verstappen. I'm going to be very boring and agree with Ellie May and say Max Verstappen. Interesting. I've gone for Carlos Sainz. Don't know why. Just have a, I have a hunch. I got a I got a vibe. I, I wouldn't be against it. Um, podiums though. We've all gone for something a little bit different here. Yes. So Charles Leclerc win. Lewis Hamilton is second, sneaky man, and another sneaky man in Fernando Alonso. So, because it's Bahrain, and I think reliability. I mean, we saw it with Red Bull last year. It might not happen with Red Bull, but mm. it's kind of you could have something where maybe there's an engine stall or something, and they fall down a few places. Some other people, they offer a in particular. I don't trust their reliability issues are sorted. Helps Fernando on his way up there. It's not unreasonable, although obviously Charles Leclerc, if he wins in Bahrain, he does not win the season. Whoever wins the first race of the season does not win the season. But oh, in that case, Max Verstappen's winning. Yeah, that's. I think that's the reason why I went for Max Verstappen with the win and Carlos Sainz second, Charles Leclerc third. I went for just anyone to win the season but Max, unfortunately. Anyway, was that your thinking with a Max win or was it just simply the brutal pace from um, testing? It was uh, just the brutal pace from testing um yeah so i've gone for a max verstappen win sergio perez in second because i think the red bulls are just gonna dominate this year um and then fernando alonso in third not unreasonable we're really putting a lot of hope in this aston martin aren't we (laughs) we are a lot it's gonna be exciting though if it's good can you imagine having four teams dabbling around at that top end snaffling for podium positions Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin. It'll be nearly like Formula E. Yeah. Could you imagine Fernando Alonso also fighting against Max Verstappen for a world championship? How spicy would that be? Oh. I I tell you that Max would not get the same sportsmanship he got from Lewis in the press. (laughs) No. Fernando would just be like, give me that deck chair. I want to hit him with it. (laughs) Yeah, that would be interesting. Um... Before I'd take we... Kelly PK now. 
<laughs> the winner, winner gets Kelly. Um, which ugh. anyway, we'll move on from that to fastest lap. Who do we think is setting the fastest lap around the Sakia circuit? Which everyone was touting the other day is still being set by Pedro de la Rosa. And it I'm, is. It, it, yeah, because they haven't really changed the layout, have they? No. Two thousand five. Yeah, from the opening race we ever held. Or was it two thousand four? We first went to Bahrain or something. It's weird that PDR still holds the fastest lap there. Good fun though. It's good George fun. Russell for me. Hmm. He'll kind of he'll do what he did to begin with, then be consistent, and then maybe have some gaps around him where he can just stick on some fresh tires before the end and go off and be a speedy boy. I can see that happening. Anyway. Uh, I've gone for Charles Leclerc. Unsure why, because those Ferraris are really struggling with tire degradation. Maybe they will just put a set of softs on near the end and hope for the best. But I am now questioning why I put Charles Leclerc. I think because I didn't put a Ferrari in any of my other predictions and felt like they needed to be included. Good. I've gone for Fernando Alonso. Again, it's this idea that something special is coming up that Aston Martin garage and watch as they double DNF now and we're all just screwed. <laughs> yeah, we're going to look like idiots, the dumbest podcast on F1 after potentially pit stop boys in the current lineup of WTF1, but they didn't hear me say that. Because it's true anyway. Right now, someone else said it. Um, world prediction, Ellie May. I've gone for no team or DNF, which I think is going to be very surprising for the first race of the season. But at the same time, when you think about it, a Haas driver that used to drive for them isn't there, so it's already gone up in possibility. And an Aston Martin driver that would usually do that isn't there. So if it were ever to happen at the first race of the year, yeah, but <laughs> there last is an obvious happens. contender for that. Mm. But last year that happened to the Red Bulls. We don't have poor man Latifi either. And everyone's going to have reliability. Well, no reliability issues. Supposedly. I now really want to change my prediction. Just no one finishes. <laughs> uh, even less finishes than the 1996 Monaco Grand Prix. Um, oh, I've gone for a double McLaren DNF anyway, because as we've mentioned, their car does not look great. And yeah, no. Mm, low hopes for McLaren. I've gone for Aston Martin and Alpine to be in the top five. Not going to specify which driver. No, I'd say not... the Alpine is the only wild bit of that, to be honest. I... What, what are you saying by top five? Do you mean that there's going to be a driver from each in driver the top five? Or are you top saying five. in the con- constructors? Okay. Driver from each in the top or five. Or are you being really wild, Jess, and you're saying both drivers from both teams will be in the top five? How Ooh. wild would that be? If that's the championship battle this year, <laughs> I I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't know I which wouldn't merch either. to buy, but I wouldn't be mad. Drug you just go for whatever merch Eddie May doesn't buy because chances are that team that would then not do well. Well, the problem is, is I've got an Alpine Fernando Alonso hat. So I can support Alpine <laughs> and I can support Aston Martin. <laughs> It's like throwing a cat with a piece fence. of toast strapped to its back. You're just going to create a vacuum. <laughs> oh. Yes. Well, that's a strange dichotomy. Um, anyway, I think that's all we've really got to look forward to to the Bahrain Grand Prix. We know so little about what's possibly going to happen, so might as well wrap it up. 
probably only taken about 25 minutes of your time out of your day. So thank you very much for listening. Um, that's all we've got time for. And join us again soon when we'll be reviewing the Bahrain Grand Prix and indeed the feeder series action from across the weekend. Because, of course, both F2 and F3 come back this weekend. Team, do you have anything you want to chuck in on this? Three is going to be bloody mental as per usual, and F two. I don't know yet. We've got an interesting grid there that I'm probably the least excited about, but that could also then potentially throw up some major sizzle. Mm, there is a chance for some good action. I don't know if it's going to be wheels loose in the pit lane action, but I do hope not. I hope not because it's unsafe, but it does make for some spicy action. Anyway, we'll be back reviewing all of that uh, next week. And in that time, we should also have an exclusive interview with Alex Brundle on the horizon as well. So make sure you've liked, subscribed and got notifications turned on to not miss anything because we are busy bunnies from here on out until December, really. Timo, where can the people find you? People can find me over on Is It First, on the Curbs, the Natural X Podcast, Paddock's Rarity and, of course, ye old Instagram. Lovely. Ellie May, where can you be found? You can be found. You can be found. <laughs> it's been a long week already. <laughs> oh dear. Um, um, I can be found over on our Instagram page, where I am currently making the graphics. Uh, and I can be. You know what? I think you're just going to have to wait a minute, Jesse, and wait for it to. Uh, wait for it to stop laughing no, we'll, and then we'll, edit to ground we'll just it, sign her off with the giggles she can be found uh, on our Instagram page and do and TikTok yeah, yeah she got it out eventually Christ. and of course if you want more of me you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jesse on cars on both of those as well as at Classic Car Weekly where I've got plenty of interesting classic car content for you across the weeks to come uh, you can also find the podcast on Twitter as well. We have uh, all of our promotions and interesting chatty bits going out on Twitter. I think we're just the Undercut podcast on Twitter. So give us a look, give us a follow, give us a like on whatever platform you find us. Thank you very much, and we'll see you again after Bahrain. Bye.